Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. My guest today is John Sullivan, and John Sullivan is the former New York State Democratic Chairman. He was chairman about, what, 13 years ago, would you say, John? Uh, A little more than that, 95 to 98. Okay. And John is here to talk about the presidential primaries and uh, what it all means. So, you know, of course, I've been watching and listening, as you have. What's your thoughts? Well, obviously, I've got several, but let's start with, uh, let me try this analogy. Have you ever gone sailing? Sailing? Sailing. Not in your repertoire? (laughs) Well, anyone, anyone who knows anything about sailing knows when the seas get choppy and they're barely navigable, when there's a storm front closing in, you do two things. Number one... You lower your sails to you motor to the nearest harbor. So pardon the analogy, but I think former Vice President Biden is looking more and more like that safe harbor. I think the Democrats are uh, facing increasingly choppy seas. And the way to choosing their 2020 standard bearer to uh, defeat Trump and all that he stands for. So we've got to first get through the first storm, which is the choppy seas of the Democratic primary. Uh-huh. In a way in which we're strengthened to face the second storm, which is the uh, election against uh, Donald Trump. And I think we're nearing the end of the primary process, as well, as evidenced by the results last night. I mean, they were, they were significant. So, you know, it's dwindled down to two. It's dwindled, uh, mm-hmm. it's dwindled down to Biden and Sanders. But when well, the I, I'd process... like to say it dwindled, dwindled up <laughs> in, in some ways. But, you know, uh, okay. each, each has their strengths, each has their weaknesses. But clearly we're down to two. And I think in the very near right. term we're going to be down to one. Okay, but when this, when this uh, process first started, there was, like, a number of people very diverse. There was Camilla Harris and Cory Booker and Elizabeth Warren and uh, Andrew Yang, and the list goes on and on. Kirsten Gillibrand. And that was a diverse... Pete, yes. And it was Mm -hmm. pretty diverse. And it kind of represented America as a whole, which is diverse. And now mm-hmm. it's dwindled down to, to two older white men. What's your feeling about that? Well, the way I have observed the process is that, as I said, we are in very, very choppy seas. We, have, we are not being led. We are being misled. And the important thing is for the Democratic Party to find a way to unite to oppose and to throw out the rascal who was occupying the Oval Office. Now, those names that you mentioned, with one exception, they have all endorsed Joe Biden. Right. I did not initially support Joe Biden. I supported Pete Buttigieg, who then, I think in a tactical uh, move, withdrew. 
throw his support to Biden, as have all of the others. Why is that happening? Here's what I think. Bernie Sanders is very much the leader of a movement, but he's not the leader of a party unless he takes over the party and subsumes that party into his movement. Um, He has self-identified as a socialist. Now, I don't know whether that's true, but I do know that uh, the Dutch philosopher Soren Kierkegaard once said, if you label me, then you may dismiss me. And what we have is Bernie labeling himself and labeling himself in a way that would preclude his ability to succeed in a general election and to win the presidency. The elections in the United States are not on the fringe. They're one in the middle for the most part. 2016 may have been an exception. but So what we see here is the Democratic Party. I used to, when I, when I would talk, give talks around the state, Cynthia, I would say, I represent the Democratic wing of the Democratic Party. I'm from the Democratic mm-hmm. wing. Um, oftentimes, the Democratic Party is characterized as a, a form of, how do you form a firing squad? You, or how do you, what's the definition of a Democratic firing squad? Form a circle? Well, we need to get away mm-hmm. from that. And I think that, uh, I think Biden said it well last night. I mean, he here he won in Michigan, which is, that is significant. And by the way, there were a, a million and a half people who voted in that primary, a half a million more than voted, uh, I believe, four years ago. Where were the Bernie supporters? I don't know. Uh, I do know that the vast majority of Democratic voters have been coming to the conclusion we need to circle the wagons. We need to elevate someone who is who is competent, safe, who is uh, able to be a standard bearer for all that the Democratic Party stands for. And I think that person is increasingly, uh, clearly, uh, Joe Biden. Now, let, let me play the devil's advocate for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that I have been interested in talking about the student loan debt crisis for a long time. And Joe Biden in 2005 uh, would not want to uh, do anything about bankruptcy for people with student loans. But Bernie Sanders has talked about that issue over and over and over again. Why? Why are people? Why? Why hasn't there been a lot of young people coming out to support Bernie Sanders to have their student loan debt burden lifted from them? I don't know if you remember uh, years ago, Cynthia. There was a Saturday morning children's program uh, starring Andy Devine, and it featured a character named Froggy. And Andy Devine would say to Froggy. Plunk your magic twanger, Froggy. And then the cartoon would come up. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. we plunk your magic twanger. There's nothing to twang. He, he, um, he has, a, I think there are many good ideas. It would be wonderful if there were solutions. And there are, but they're not immediate. And they're not um, pie in the sky, plunk your magic twanger type 
solutions. I think it would behoove uh, Senator Sanders to come into the fold, fight within the group to uh, to advance the agenda that he has been advancing. I think he'd be a strong voice for equity in terms of the way we treat student debt. And, and what, but why not do that from within the administration, perhaps as Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare? I'm not sure. I think uh, I think we're at the point, Cynthia, where we need to we need to blunt the swords in the next clash. We there's a debate on Sunday. I can understand why why Senator Sanders would want to remain in the contest at least until the debate Sunday. But if I were the Biden folks, I'd be contacting Sanders folks and saying, "Look, can't we uh, uh, blunt our swords, bury the hatchet here, and focus on the real issue, which is the failed leadership of this current administration and the uh, colossal problems that we are facing as a result of the lack of leadership and the need, particularly in times of stress and disease and um, plague and whatever, the need for government is clear. There is a, there's a role for government to play. And uh-huh. uh, this, this administration has, I think, so far colossally, colossally failed to show competence in addressing uh, a serious crisis. I mean, I think it's more than Katrina all over again. And, uh, you know, you deny something exists, you ignore it, and what happens? It, uh, the problem gets out of control, and that's where, we're, that's where we seem to be heading. Joe Biden, mm-hmm. I think, would have handled that differently. So he may not be the most exciting person. He may not be the youngest person, but he certainly is tried and true. And I do think that increasing numbers in the Democratic constituency are comfortable with, with I guess, putting on the old shoe, the shoe that we know, and moving forward. And I'm hopeful that Bernie Sanders will be uh, will be joining the, the taking, melding his crusade into the Biden campaign going forward. I want to bring up two names. Number one, why do you think that Elizabeth Warren has not endorsed anybody yet? I think the only person really that she will endorse would be the eventual nominee and the handwriting is on the wall. I mean, it's not... Cynthia is not even the handwriting on the wall. It's the headlines are on the wall. Just take a look Mm -hmm. at the numbers. Uh Take a look at the states that are yet to come. Take a look at what happened last night. Take a look at what happened on Super Tuesday. The conclusion is inevitable. So why should she, even though philosophically maybe, she's more in line with uh, Senator Sanders' approach, but to endorse or jump on the Titanic is not necessarily the best idea. So I think she's withholding her endorsement in part um, to, at the appropriate time, uh, join hands with the presumptive nominee and play a role uh, in in the future of the government of the United States. You know, there was great talent shown on that debate stage. And as you said, they're a diverse group. There's a lot of leadership. And uh, what was it that Abraham Lincoln did? He formed a a team of rivals, maybe right. his captain. And I think we're at that point. I think that uh, Joe Biden will reach out to some of the younger 
uh, people in the in the race, uh, or uh, perhaps a minority, perhaps a woman, I don't know, but to reinforce the notion that he is ready to pass the torch, but there's one last hurrah left to go, and that uh, he's capable of delivering that one last hurrah. But by getting former candidates all aboard in various cabinet capacities, he would be extremely strong. It would be a great showing of solidarity and I think uh, give the American people hope. If South Carolina had turned out differently, the whole do you thing think would have Biden would Excuse me? Was, the whole thing would have come out differently. Right, right, right. Was, uh, his savior. Right. I mean, I think we do have to look yeah. at the process that we've engaged in. Here we got, we've got two states, one of which had a flawed caucus system, the other which has an early primary, and they're they're serious about it. But they're very small states, and they're not necessarily demographically representative of the rest of the country. And so they're 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 the leading lights of who's going to win the presidential election. I don't know about that. I don't know that that is. Uh, the smartest way to go about our primary process. So if South Carolina taught us anything, I think it's that we need to diversify the um, uh, early states so that they are more representative of the American electorate. But South Carolina obviously was, was and uh, Congressman Jim Clyburn played an enormous role in reviving the fortunes of Joe Biden. The other name that I want to bring up, and I think this is the most glaring name I could possibly think, is Barack Obama. Obama has not endorsed anybody. Biden was VP. How can he so quiet? Well, I think he's allowing the process to go forward, and he's probably he's been crossing his fingers and his toes and praying. I think. Um, and, and it's worked because the process has uh, caused the number of candidates to become smaller. The process has worked, and there are now two candidates. Soon there will be mm-hmm. one. And I think that his uh, wisdom in remaining uh, silent as to who his preference might be, and clearly I think Right now, obviously, it would be Biden over Sanders. But weighing in, I think he's allowing the process to weigh in, and that's that's as it should be. And at the appropriate time, I think he can join the crusade as well to restore dignity and honor and leadership to this to this country. Hmm. Now, we both live in New York State, mm-hmm. and we have a, there's no. There's no disputing the fact that our governor is what's labeled ambitious, wouldn't you say? He is, uh, yes. Well, he's kind of a bull in a china shop in a way. I mean, he's someone who reacts to crises and steps into the leadership role in a dramatic way. I mean, he, he, like he even rescued somebody from a car crash. You know, when he was uh, in law school, he used to drive uh, tow trucks on the Southern State Parkway and uh, tow tow wrecked vehicles. He's good in a crisis. 
he steps up to the plate. He is he is a master implementer. And I mean, if, uh, if, if this state was in trouble, I think we could all look to Andrew. We are in some ways. We could look to Andrew Cuomo to be stronger in a crisis than the overall day-to-day humdrum management. Okay, so um, if you were to make a guess, do you think that Andrew Cuomo is staking at a role for himself, Biden should win? Remember that Mario Cuomo was considered for a seat on the Supreme Court? And for whatever right. reason, that that didn't happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe history could repeat itself in a different way. You know, maybe a former attorney general of New York could be elevated to the highest bench in the land. That's that's a thought. I don't know if he's interested in that, but uh, clearly, as and I worked for him when he was attorney general, uh, he did a very creditable job. He's uh, he's been effective as a leader in New York and he's and he's a thinker and he likes to write. I think he'd be a great choice for the Supreme Court. So do you think you think that that is the position that he's angling for right now? Uh, I, I uh, Cynthia, I have no idea. I do not I don't okay. I don't know if he's angling for anything. It's just my suggestion as an observer position okay. that he might okay. well be qualified for. Clearly, he'd be qualified for any number of other cabinet-level positions, including, you know, uh, even a secretary of state-type position. I mean, he's he is a uh, he's very clever. He's very good in the in maneuvering the apparatus of government, and I think his talents could well be used in any new Democratic administration, in whatever capacity uh, he may choose to serve. I just think he'd make a great Supreme Court judge, personally. Speaking of Supreme Court judge, let's say um, Trump wins. And he has the possibility of nominating a few more people to the Supreme Court. And Roe v. Wade is overturned. Do you think that's going to ignite a firestorm in this country? What's the old song? Irene, good night, Irene. Irene, good night. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good good night, Irene moment. We can't let that happen. We can't allow this man to be reelected. Our country is going to hell in a handbasket as it is. We are not, as I said, not only being misled, we are not being led. And, uh, and there's much that needs to be done from the standpoint of the environment, immigration reform, student debt, uh, the disparity in income ratios, health care, all of those things. We have not really moved the needle. All, all that has been done is a major tax cut for those who are in the higher uh, brackets and, who's, and, and the stock market has fared pretty well. People with 401ks are are happy, except the last couple of weeks here. So well, there's more to governing than, than that. There's more to governing than insulting people and tweeting. And we just cannot let this continue. 
Okay, the other the, the other big issue, and this is something that's going to be interesting as it plays out. If Biden becomes the nominee and there's not a visible role for um, Sanders over the next few months, there's so the many... The so visible many, role for who? No, the, yeah. another issue. There's going to be a lot of disaffected young people. What's going to happen then? Well, you know, I was a young people once. And in fact, in 1972, I was a McGovern delegate in Miami. I was 23 at the time. And I remember a wonderful speech that George McGovern gave. His theme was Come Home America. When he gave the speech at four o'clock in the morning, nobody saw it. He went on mm-hmm. to lose every state except Massachusetts and the District of Columbia. I learned at that point that elections are one in the middle. And young people who are politically naive and who are supporting Bernie's cause will increasingly come to understand that we don't win elections by labeling ourselves in, as an extreme and that the way to win elections is to a compromise, <clears throat> excuse me, and b uh, move toward a position which is acceptable to the majority of Americans. I, I, I always remember a professor of mine, Dr. Paul Goodwin, who used, uh, I think it was actually Ambrose Bierce's Devil's Dictionary definition of politics, but he he would say politics. What's the definition of politics? The strife of interests masquerading as a contest of principle. Study who gets what, why, when, where, and how. Cynical perhaps, but I think true. Compromise is an essential element of politics. All of us learn that through, through the course of life. And young people particularly are going to learn that you don't, it's not my way or the highway especially when it comes to government, that there has to be a meeting of the minds and a give and take. And so that's a maturity factor. And I think that hopefully by including some of the uh, agenda items that are are key to Biden or to uh, Bernie and his supporters, Biden can move the needle and bring some of these young people in. But he also has to appeal to the Democratic party base that we lost in uh, 2016. When you look at Michigan, Michigan didn't really vote. Michigan won for Trump. If I'm right. Because there was such antipathy, unfortunately, toward Hillary Clinton. Uh, maybe that was misogynistic and the, the Republicans have abused her terribly over the years. Part of it probably was her fault. Maybe it was the Russians. I don't know. But I do know that a million and a half voters went to the polls Tuesday in Michigan, half a million more than uh, four years ago, and they voted every single, I think every single county Biden succeeded in, even the more liberal college uh, communities in county. He, he swept the board. And so I think he's in a position to counter Trump in places like Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and we'll see what happens uh, next week, I guess, in 
Illinois and Florida and uh, Arizona, I think Ohio, I, I think he'll be successful. I would predict by next Tuesday night that the um, the race for the Democratic nomination will be will be over. Next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold Maybe. you to that, John. Okay. Maybe even earlier. I mean, as I said, if I were on Biden's team, I'd be contacting the Sanders people and saying, look, uh, we got a debate coming up Sunday. We can we can throw hatchets at each other, or we can blunt the we can blunt the swords and try to battle forward against the real enemy, who is seating, uh, seated at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. And let's not mm. let's, let's go after each other. Let's go after Trump. They, they could have uh, an understanding, and we could emerge from that debate with a greater sense of uh, unity and purpose. What's so up? Do you maybe, that's a punch, I don't know, maybe that's a punk your magic twanger dream. <laughs> we'll see. So do you uh, envision the, in the next couple of months politically, do you think it's going to be pretty ugly or do you think it'll be kind of smooth? nothing's going to be smooth with the fellow that we have there with his ability to label people and, and to insult people and drive a wedge um, in the American people. It, that's going to continue. So, no, we're not going to have smooth sailing. But I think we're, when the Democrats, who maybe voted for Trump in Michigan last time, some of them did, they turn around and say, mm-hmm. you know, enough is enough. Where is their decency? Where is their morality? Where is their empathy? I mean, the when you see how this man operates, where is the empathy? I, I can't, I can't think of one instance when he's really empathically embraced someone who, who was down and out or in trouble or in need of consolation. Joe Biden, on the other hand, is a human being. He's clearly a human being. He's somebody who I think he even gave his phone number to somebody. Said, "Look, if you you had lost a son." Call me if you need me. There's a real mm-hmm. difference in the humanity, in the humanity of Joe Biden versus the inhumanity of Donald Trump, and I think that's going to become increasingly evident. And I look forward to the president simply uh, self imploding, as he's. I think he's been imploding over the course of. It only gets worse, <clears throat> and it'll probably get worse before it gets better. So, John, um, between now and November, between now and November could be a lifetime, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. So before before we say goodbye to each other and our listeners, um, I want you to kind of <laughs> kind of make a guess on on who the Democratic nominee would embrace as a running mate? I think if I were Biden, uh, Amy Klobuchar, Kamala Harris, Buttigieg, maybe in that order, would be Mm -hmm. possible uh, running mates. They would bring youth and vitality. Um, They would send the message that the Democratic Party is inclusive. You know, we've had a person of color and the former president 
I think that right. that would weigh heavily uh, in the in the choice. But I don't think it necessarily has to be a person of color. Uh, it has to be a person of conviction and capability. And, and I think any of those three, or maybe Cory Booker, I didn't put list him. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I think Biden will reach out to the next generation in his choice, and that will okay. that will help the Democratic Party's forward movement. You're saying, you're saying Amy, right? You're saying Camilla Harris, yep. Cory Booker, and Pete. Yep. Okay, and Pete. All yep. right. So I'm going to hold you to your prediction okay. on that one also. <laughs> and let me, well, you get you get me your good one to get me going out on a limb. Yeah. So let me ask you this: As the uh, the election season unfolds, I would love to have you come back on Focus on Albany and share your thoughts about how it's unfolding. Well, I always enjoy talking with you and getting your perspective, and of course, I enjoy sharing my perspective with folks. And I do have a perspective, so thank you. Okay. Thank you, John. You've been listening to John Sullivan, who is the former Democratic state chairman in in uh, New York. You've been listening to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Fuller. And if you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, download on your smartphone, subscribe to iTunes. If you comment about the show, hashtag Focus on Albany. John, we'll talk again. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great thank day. You, Thank you. Bye. Bye.